Hello and welcome to the Animation Communication Podcast, your source for discussion about animation, film, fandom, and more. So please join your host, I Love Kim Possible a Lot, or KP, and Lauren Kizich, the Abbey Roadie, for today's discussion. If you like what you hear, please remember to support by giving a like, a follow, as well as subscribing to the main I Love Kim Possible a Lot channel on YouTube. Spread the word and keep being a part of a great community. This episode is appropriate for all ages. Welcome to this week of animation communication. I'm your host, KP, who um, is for the first <laughs> time drinking for the, with this podcast, but not heavily, so, you know, because um, Mike's Hard Lemonade is known to be the hardest alcohol substance known to man. Um, <laughs> with me, as usual, um, we have Lauren, um, who yes, does hello. stuff. <laughs> and then we have I'm drinking, our... I'm drinking iced tea in the meantime. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. You're from California. You can't you can't steal the It's things. triple digit heat. We we can only do so much. <laughs> you have to suffer. Anyway, um and then we have our guest this week is uh, my friend Keely who was on the team for a while and then she does really neat art. Um say hi Keely, why don't you tell the people like who you are and what you do on the internet? Hello. Uh my name is Keely. I usually go by the handle Keylime Keely. Or uh, Key Lime Creations is my business, um, and been known more around the Brony fandom as a small part of Team KP for a while, but um, also pony artist, just general illustration um, and freelancing is really what I'm doing outside of my day job. So, woo! Yeah, and why don't, why don't you tell the people your day job because I think it's kind of fun. Oh, my day job is uh, I'm a sign artist at Trader Joe's, which is a grocery store for those who aren't familiar. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a little bit more graphic design than it is illustration. And I've been learning a lot over the past few years. Uh, some of it I've been able to incorporate into my art and into my business. So that's been cool. But, yeah, no, we, we make all the end cap signs, um, all the big colorful signs you'll see around the store down to the little signs that tell you what everything is and what the prices are the monotonous stuff okay and for those who don't know can you explain like like the kind of vibe of trader joe's because it's like it's known for its vibe i guess it's the best way Um, to describe it yeah so trader joe's um it is a smaller grocery chain um they kind of pride themselves on being a neighborhood grocery store in the sense that Mm -hmm. They want everyone to feel welcome, and they want local people working there, um, so not a huge amount of commuting, if possible, like from long mm-hmm. distances, um, and v- usually pretty laid back, pretty chill. If you walk in, usually you'll see a smiling face um, that will actually greet you instead of just kind of shrug and move out of your way or ignore you the entire time you're there. Um, and yeah, we just we like to have fun while we're stocking shelves and (laughs) selling you food we love to talk about food um yeah so it it is really just a regular grocery store except everything is um under the trader joe's label um Mm -hmm. they source different suppliers to be able to sell things um that only we can get um or some standard things that like you know your regular honey nut cereal and 
um, just regular produce and stuff like that. Stuff that doesn't really need a private label. Um, yeah. But yeah, we have a selection of specialty stuff, but we're not a specialty store. We're really just like any other grocery store. So yeah. Not not to and plug. The, Go ahead, Lauren. <laughs> I was gonna say, fun fact: my brother's a crew member at Trader Joe's. Oh so no way! <laughs> no, yeah, and, Sweet. and, and I mean, it, what, what? Yeah, what's cool? Yeah, is um, I mean, Trader Joe's is Southern California based. Like it, it yes. came out of Southern California. Uh, specifically, it came out of originally out of South Pasadena. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so, uh, I know, I know all about, and very, I'm very familiar with Trader Joe's and the vibe and, and you are 100% correct on it, <laughs> feeling like it's a neighborhood store. Yeah. Anyone who has grown up in California is very familiar. Like you guys have Trader Joe's like one every couple of miles. So, <laughs> um, Lauren, yeah, are you telling is, me, it's true. are you telling me I could have been using your brother's employee discount this whole time? <laughs> depends if you wanted to like commute to go find him but yeah <laughs> i mean maybe if i'm doing a big shop one day but anyway like just I guess fly across the country it's fine <laughs> it's, it's just you know to save money on groceries but you know it's got like it's it's the only grocery store i think i know that has like its own kind of weird fan base and they have like newsletters about like the cute stuff and they're just like i don't there, know it's hard a- to describe <laughs> yeah, there is the, the the frequent flyer newsletter, which is it's always used to promote new products or seasonal products or anything like that that they're trying to. It's almost like when you think of a grocery store that tries to push certain deals on their products and like, oh, buy bananas for this week for this you know this amount of money. Yeah, it's but, it's not um, a sales like, flyer necessarily um, yeah, in terms of like, oh, this products. is on sale. It's like, oh, we have this to sell you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, which is nice. And, it's, and especially, I always look forward to it for the seasonal stuff because which is coming. Like, especially, it's coming yes. soon. <laughs> once once it gets into fall, you get all the good pumpkin pumpkin spice, pumpkin flavored, you know, like maple flavored, you know, it, all that good stuff. And then it gets to Christmas, you get all the peppermint mm-hmm. and and gingerbread, and yeah, it's all good stuff. And um and especially for long term, uh, long time, you know, uh, Trader Joe's. Uh, uh, customers uh, and fans uh it's always you know every year there's a lot of these products that are you know you look forward to them because they only come around once a year and mm-hmm. then they're gone so <laughs> it's like a cult i guess i guess come back to um when we get to halloween time because then lauren can tell you all the cool things to watch our halloween recommendations with your trader joe's pumpkin shit i guess well, you know, do do that update quickly because um, generally the Halloween, anything super specialized as far as holidays go, are there for a couple of weeks and then they're gone. So, mm-hmm. so you got to jump fast. Like you the, do. The, the, they have like um, Trader Joe's, for example, has their own version of like Oreo cookies mm-hmm. and they're called JoJo's. And around Halloween, they have Halloween colored like, you know, uh, like it's like a little dark chocolate cookie with uh, orange cream filling. Uh, and they look like little, uh, if I remember, they look like little jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're my favorites. So, <laughs> <laughs> those are my favorite JoJo's. Besides, uh, the other one is my peppermint JoJo's. I love those. Yeah, okay. sorry, we're talking, we're talking. We're talking <laughs> Welcome yeah, to the Trader uh, Joe's podcast. For people who don't know, but. <laughs> okay. This um, podcast is not sponsored by Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> we just yeah, really fuck like those guys. Stuff. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, 
Okay, Lauren, what are, what's the stuff going on this week? Okay, so uh, as of recording this, uh, the Mulan live-action movie just came out on Disney Plus for that wonderful $30 uh, uh, additional charge on top of your membership if, if you're in that boat, which uh, I am not on that. But I have been reading plenty of reviews and reactions to the movie uh, and... Uh, not not too doing too hot uh, <laughs> uh and that's putting it gently uh i, I guess uh they it seems to have undermined what the original disney film did back in 1998 which was uh showing mulan uh kind of coming into her own as a hero and and building up her confidence and her strength and her skills um uh, and becoming and you know becoming a hero uh, whereas in this version, she's just uh, OP from the get-go. Uh, she kind of has, I guess, superpowers to a degree, or at least a supernatural backing to her abilities from the get-go. And her family already believes in her. And so, I, yeah, it just seems kind of a little bit OP to me and apparently to a lot of other people. Uh I don't know. It's just some people did like the action sequences in there, but I don't know. This is again a different telling of Mulan's story, and this is when they were trying to be, I guess, quote more accurate to the original tale, but obviously taking their liberties, and it's not pleasing either audience. <laughs> so, yeah, like, welp. You know that sounds like something that isn't fun, and they they I I really wanted a a, a CGI Mushu played by Eddie Murphy, but like actually Eddie <laughs> Murphy, we, we we missed that opportunity. And there's also no songs, as far as I as far as I remember, they got rid of the songs in the movie. Uh, yeah, so it's not a musical thing, and they got rid of Shang, uh, kind of sorta. Yeah, I, I be- there was a lot of things that they were removing, and then I do remember. Um, Mushu was originally an, a, a complaint, a complaint point, I guess, for uh, for Chinese audiences because they thought he was too Westernized and it just didn't gel with them. Uh, but uh, but then you have to look at this and go, well, come on, at least the, the at least the Mulan movie in 1998 was more of like a a comedy with adventure and action to it and did have some dr- dramatic aspects but it was it felt like more or less a comedy and this one's trying to be a war film mm. uh so i guess eddie murphy wouldn't have worked as well in the tone of that <laughs> no we need eddie murphy but no cgi he's just like wearing a moose like onesie <laughs> <laughs> okay but we do need that we, we need that cut <laughs> that would that i would i'd pay 30 dollars for that yeah, actually. <laughs> like the meme material? I think you wouldn't you be the only one. I know there's there's a lot of people who are like, it doesn't have Mushu, I'm not watching it. Like, <laughs> like so many people were just like, I'm just going to watch the, the, the 1998 version instead on Disney Plus without that $30 extra charge. And that is what I did. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like uh, good call. And then yeah, I, I watched think... Mulan 2. <laughs> but go ahead, <laughs> Keely. <laughs> oh, no, I was, I was going to say, I think that... Um... <sighs> Definitely, if we think about it as an adaptation of the Mulan, the animated Mulan that we grew up with, mm-hmm. um, that's when it's definitely going to hit a wall of failing our expectations. Um, mm-hmm. From what it sounds like, cause I, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I'm going to wait for December. <laughs> but <laughs> from what it sounds like, is 
they kind of made it more akin to those Chinese martial arts movies Mm -hmm. um, that are really popular. And so it's still disappointing to hear about the lack of character development. So we'll, I'll have to wait and see in December about how true that is. But if she really does start off OP, I'm like, well, I guess if I just take this as a, another Chinese martial arts movie, then it could still hold entertainment value. It just won't be Mulan as Disney did it like 20 years ago. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I think it's just about what you go in expecting. Um, and I think we knew from the first trailer that it wasn't going to be a musical. Um, Mm -hmm. and they do have the, it's funny though, that they have the, the motifs from, from the 1998 version. Like we have a, a, a reflection playing in in the trailer as a yeah. as a dramatic orchestral score right um so which i admit did give me goosebumps when i first saw the trailer and then it just mm-hmm. just because it was that nostalgic callback that you do get those goosebumps hearing it and i don't know it just seemed to fit so well for that but if they were not going to go all the way with that it just feels like an opportunity missed yeah yeah, I loved that theme in the original Mulan. Um, mm-hmm. That, you know, because actually that would be such a relatable theme today. I was mm-hmm. listening listening to a, a Disney playlist on Spotify the other day, and and the new reflection came up with Christina Aguilera, and um, it brought me back to how much I loved that song when I was a kid because I kind of felt that way um, mm-hmm. for for various reasons. But you can only imagine how like certain people would feel about it now um being able to express who you really are and um mm-hmm. match who you feel that person is inside of you with the person that you actually see in the mirror so mm-hmm. so yeah if they if they totally took out all the development then yeah that does kind of take the wind out of those sails <laughs> exactly but <laughs> we could have had a progressive milan movie that like kind of put those hints down a little bit um, further as far as like LGBT stuff, but then we get this movie that's okay-ish. But I think um, to Lauren's point, uh, or this whole discussion point, is that um, I think Disney was trying to to satisfy the the Chinese slash Asian market, um, mm-hmm. specifically Chinese because it's that's where the movie is from. Um, yeah, I don't doubt but, that. Yeah, so with casting all, like, Chinese-specific actors, from my understanding, um, you know, but because I, I think they just couldn't make both camps happy because, you know, like, you know, I, I guess we have Asian representation in a positive way with the original Mulan, but I can see the point of, like, oh, we have Eddie Murphy, and he just won't shut up, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's like an- yeah, it's it's just uh, I know. Yeah, it's it's going in with with different expectations uh, for different tones of film. Like obviously, like like what we already said before was that the animated version and the live action version were already established. They're two very different tones of story. Uh, but yeah, what does matter is how much we care about the characters and what they're going through, and we want to see them through to the end to succeed in their goals or you know to survive you know if it's a war film right so Mm -hmm. it's uh, but if they're not somebody you can relate to it's just like having uh, somebody who is just like completely like a superhero who's completely overpowered has no flaws well how can you relate to that you have to you everyone looks for the humanity in a character the flaws something that they can latch onto because 
we are flawed. So it's like, that's why we look for that, that relatability. And yeah, if you can't find that in your own lead, that's kind of, that's kind of an issue. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like they made her into a Mary Sue and mm-hmm. that's kind of disappointing. So, and Lauren, uh, co- correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't people like boycotting this movie for something? Yes. Well, it's also because the lead actress, uh, and this was um, even a while back, uh, so people are, are continuing to bring it back up because it is still a point relevant now, uh, is that she uh, spoke in support of the Hong Kong police in terms of the uh, uh, people protesting and fighting for democracy in Hong Kong. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot of police brutality going on over there, and she spoke in, in support of the uh, of the Hong Kong police. And and basically that left a sour taste in everyone's mouth across the globe, uh, especially where with, it, you know, when you're trying to push a movie where the hero is basically fighting all of those things. Um, <laughs> what could yet, possibly go wrong? <laughs> uh, it's just it just it's very backwards and uh, and and that's just putting it lightly. It just was yeah it 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 basically I I feel like it just already it's soured prematurely what you know what they were trying to push for the film before the film even had the chance to come out and uh so people were already going into it with like negative expectations and only to have him like be further realized by how bad the movie was in a lot of people's eyes Mm -hmm. it just made it even worse you know so it's like uh you know i don't know but uh yeah there was another point, but I forgot it. Um, oh, how do you feel about, how do you guys feel about it coming out on Disney Plus, like, in general? Because that wasn't part of the plan. Well, I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do in the, right. in, the in the wake of COVID. So, I mean, I figured that was going to be the case given when it originally came out. I mean, it wasn't able to come out in, in theaters in the States, uh, but it did have a Chinese release and that didn't work out very well given that it came out around covid times and so whoops <laughs> yeah uh so i mean i guess what disney tried to do was they tried to basically safeguard themselves and then uh for the states and they just put the 30 dollars extra to make up for the fact that one i it was an expensive movie to make is to my understanding uh and two to make up for the fact that they aren't selling movie movie tickets they have to like make up for that um, so, cause it's, there's only, it, Disney plus can only get you so far with the subscription price, I guess, in terms of money making. So mm-hmm. they do the upcharge. It's almost like, uh, I guess it would almost be like a paying pay-per-view, uh, on any other platform. Like if you were to do Amazon and you have a prime video and there's a lot of movies that come with it, but then you obviously have to rent the movie. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if there's a, if there's one that you want that isn't free that comes with the membership but anyway um but this is the first time that they're doing that on their platform for disney plus uh and i get why a lot of people were upset with that and they're most most of them are trying to wait until uh december when they remove that charge uh but i get why they i mean i get why they did it it's just 30 dollars is pretty steep yeah Mm -hmm. i mean i can get it that if they have um, one purchase of Mulan per subscription, that's like three, at least three movie tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mulan, what, what, what's it rated? PG or PG-13? 
Mm, Do we know that? I think it, you know. <laughs> Do you want me to Google it? I'm, let me verify that. I believe it's PG, but let me double check. And, and I mean, uh, all the people who grew up with it are ha- have kids of their own, so I bet like it would have been a family kind of movie. So maybe that was their justification. They're like, well, it would cost you thirty dollars to see this in the theater anyway. So, you know, or around PG thirteen. It is. Oh, okay. gasp! Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure enough. But um, to to that effect, I I would almost be more likely to buy it if it was like what Amazon does, and most movies on Amazon that you can buy digitally are around twenty dollars, like mm-hmm. f- fifteen twenty dollars depending on the movie. Um, if they would have just left the pay gate up for a lower price. And, and that way you could like, quote unquote, own it. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that doesn't quite work with Disney's current subscription model because every, like once you subscribe, everything's free to watch or like, Mm -hmm. you know, everything's included. So to come out of nowhere with this $30 is like, it's a bit jarring. Yeah, Um, considering other movies that were released earlier this year, like Scoob and Trolls World Tour, these these were coming out at twenty dollars tops for a release, which and which that was fine. Which it's a much better deal considering uh, if you're paying the twenty dollars. And yes, like you having a whole family watch it. That's why when Disney came out with the thirty dollars, that was that's that's yes, it would be another value thing for uh, a whole family to watch it all together. Uh, but when you compare it to when Scoob and Trolls World Tour and other movies came out, like, uh, even, I think even Bill and Ted, when it came, when it just came out, Bill and Ted 3, also $20, uh, to watch on pay-per-view kind of thing, uh, mm-hmm. but, um, are on demand. Uh, it, it, that's where it seems steep in comparison, uh, because yeah. they're like, well, for a movie that has been getting so much backlash, you're going to charge... $30 to make up for the fact that it isn't in theaters when all these other movies from other companies were able to release their films at the $20 charge. So what's going on with that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, just business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there was a reason for all of it, but yeah. I'm sure it, Disney's it, bleeding, bleeding really bad though with everything. So yeah. Considering the parks, you know, well, at least in, at least not in California or are not open and then Europe they, they haven't opened Disneyland Paris back up or anything like that so um so yeah they're kind of they're I guess they're trying to make make up for all that uh as best as they can mm-hmm. okay uh what else is going on Lauren um <laughs> well we could also talk about how uh uh there was the uh Nickelodeon show uh, and I should say Nick Jr. specifically, uh, Made by Maddie. It was a, it's a show that's supposed to be coming out soon, but I guess its release got pulled uh, due to the fact that uh, a lot of people in, uh, were pointing out uh, similarities uh, and downright plagiarism of d- character designs and whatnot um, from the short film Hair Love, which won an Oscar this year. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, it is like saying that the character designs, the family dynamic, and right down to their pet cat <laughs> looking exactly like the ones in Hair Love. Uh, yeah, it, it misled a lot of people into thinking that this was going to be uh, 
the hair love series that uh at least is is in talks of in being in development right now uh and so yeah it it kind of blew up in nick's faces (laughs) um (laughs) i said this before but like you had one job like (sighs) i can't believe they like you know they should I feel like you should know better because there's not that many cartoons based around like African American families specifically. So like you're gonna, like, you know, even if it's coincidence, it's just like still really. It's not like it was like some like indie thing. It was like mm-hmm. the opposite of that. So I don't know. And this is, and I feel bad when uh, when a whole team gets pulled in by controversy when it when you know it wasn't their fault like so many artists designers animators all these people that are like they're just doing their job and then they yeah it was probably a call by their higher-ups to Mm -hmm. have designs like that or like oh no we don't have to make up stuff from scratch just uh use this reference (laughs) quote-unquote look at this i googled it guys someone did it for us (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and on top of that, there was the the, the uh, other predominant part of the controversy was that the show was also being spearheaded by predominantly white people. Like, I think maybe there were some staff crew members that were like uh, that were working on it that were African American, but the the people who were leading, you know, uh, if they were leading story or production or were directing, it was they were predominantly white. So that also is an exactly just adds- the best look. <laughs> This adds insult to injury. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, the, uh, I believe it was the director and the creator uh, of the story for Hair Love definitely took note and I believe is taking them to court about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> I believe his name is Matthew Cherry, correct? Yeah, he also created Proud yeah. Family. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. So that, that begs the question, why didn't they just bring him in on the project? Like, See, and that was the know? point that a lot of people were bringing up, too. It was like, well, if they were going to do this, why didn't they just talk to him about it and say, hey, want to do this? Because <laughs> we got this lined up. But Do you no. like money? <laughs> we have money. <laughs> we're Viacom. Um, <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. And uh, there was one more headline, right? Okay, so we'll quick, quickly address it, mostly because I'm particularly very, very, very excited about it, is um, the good news is Primal Season 1 Part 2 is coming out real soon as we're entering, about to enter fall. Uh, the Part 2 of Season 1 is going to come out very, very soon. Uh, and Season 2 just got greenlit, so we'll be getting more of Spear and Fang, for those of you who have been keeping up with the show, uh, for those of you who haven't heard us talk about it before we did on a previous podcast before uh was uh primal if you don't know about the show it's an adult swim show led by uh jendy tartakovsky and i'm sorry if i keep butchering his name i'm like I really everyone does I can never say his name is <laughs> um but he's um but his series uh for pr- the primal is about it's it takes place in prehistoric times and it's about uh uh basically the survival of a caveman and a tyrannosaurus rex as they basically lean on and depend on each other to survive the perilous dangerous world of the prehistoric eras so it, um 
It's, it's like, gory, for sure. <laughs> it's like the good dinosaur, but with violence. <laughs> Way better than the good dinosaur. I will I will definitely say that. Like I would a million percent rewatch Primal over Good Dinosaur any day. Um and, and I highly, <laughs> highly, highly recommend it if you if if there are any of you that have not watched it yet. Uh and I really don't want to give away too much because but I will say it is stunning because one, it is beautifully animated in, in 2D. So uh so it's pre, you know, uh maintaining the, the look and character design aesthetic that Jendi likes to work with. So it's very uh, Samurai Jack, uh, that kind of appeal to it, especially with when if you think of the gritty Samurai Jack, uh, 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 I'm not saying reboot, but the season the, the, the season three that we that we got later on. Um, uh, it, it's it's very much that and plus it's also got pretty much no dialogue. Uh, which is also awesome because it's it's that way focusing more on the characters and how they're reacting to their environments and being able to let the visuals tell the story rather than somebody narrating or telling you what to think and feel about the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so much that's is, definitely is a departure so... from Western. Um, most Western cinema is very reliant on that dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, or just some kind of verbal exposition rather than letting the visuals talk for themselves. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty neat. I'm going to have to watch this. <laughs> yeah, I think you'll absolutely love it. I uh, And I do know that, uh, I think it was April Fool's, they released uh, a surprise episode to tease the second half of the, of the first season. Uh, and oh, uh, you just have to watch from the beginning because the series just gets wilder and wilder with each episode. It's it's wonderful. So anyway, I, that does it for the for the headlines, though. <laughs> okay, so let's get to the actual part of the episode, which is um, should you go to art school? Um, I'll give an intro about that because I have some experience, and then I'll let Keely and Lauren talk about it because Lauren went to art school and Keely's very self-taught, and I'm just like. Has has some talent every once in a while. So anyway, um, <laughs> I'm really tr- I'm trying to draw like um, you know spend several. I just I'm getting used to my tablet, so I'm trying to spend like several hours a day drawing. But like, man, liner is hard. Like it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Hate it. So anyway, so this is a common like artisticy thing. So um, that people have to struggle with is whether you should. Um, there's like a couple of art schools. There's Cal Arts, which is in California, which is the famous and best one. There's RISD, which is in Rhode Island that I think Seth MacFarlane and the Avatar Boys went to, uh, Mike and Brian. There's SCAD, which is costs a lot of money. Um, <laughs> and I think those are the main ones. Anyone Not correct? in oh, there's Ringling in, in Florida. Yeah, okay. that's a big one. And Any other ones? Also, and there's also not even, not even including the uh, the schools up in Canada. Those mm, and yes. And then and on top of that, there's also Goblin in uh, in France in the heart of Paris. Uh, and then there, I mean, there's just animation schools now. There's all over the place. It's um, like, I hope you have money. So um, <laughs> I guess I'll give my background and experience with this because I'm probably in the middle of the two. So um, I went to public college not public college but like you know government state college um and i like 
let me make it clear you do not need an art degree to get an art job but it helps especially like in the in the the structure of this economy so like when i when kids like come to me at cons remember cons we i miss cons but anyway you know like kids <laughs> in college would come to me or kids in high school would be like i want to art i want to animate what do i do and i'm like well just go to college, get a degree, but, like, really practice your art. If you can go to art school, that's great. But if you can't, you just got to, like, work really hard on the side. And, you know, because from my understanding and learning, like, jump in because you probably know the job market um, in L.A. much better than I do. But a lot of the when you're getting into entry-level entry positions, even if it's just, like, PA stuff, a lot of times they just, like, would like some kind of degree in either animation or film or like graphic design or like one of those things so um, i get a film degree i probably should have gotten a graphic design degree in honesty because that would have probably made like forced me to get used to more digital programs and not now when i'm you know 27 and been out of school for several years and like don't know what we're doing in covid but um i think for me i really wanted to go to art college mom i'm i'm sorry um I told her I was podcasting. Cut that. Anyway, so I I really wanted to go to art college specifically for um, being kind of around my people much faster because no matter where you're going, you know, if you're just going to state school or something, there's no, like, there's no better feeling that just, like, you can talk about animation like we are on the podcast, like, if you're mm -hmm. listening, and then you don't have to explain to people or, like, defend it and be like... Why are you watching cartoons? You're like an adult. And I'm just like, I don't feel like dealing with this right now. So, um, you know, that's why I like the team. And, like, that's that's a lot of why I like the bronies back in the day is because they didn't really have to worry about, like, this is made for girls. It's just, like, the, the story was good and people were invested in it. And, like, they didn't, like, we didn't have to awkwardly explain why a specific medium, why it doesn't matter what the medium is. It's just, it's just good. Just go watch it. So, but that being said, um, so yeah, we, like, my family couldn't afford it, so I went to state school, and I got a film degree, a bachelor's degree, yay, and then, um, so that's kind of my take on it. Uh, Lauren, why don't you talk about your, your, your schooling things? Cause, yeah, cause... so, so I went, so I attended um, a Jesuit university, you know, for those of you who are not religiously affiliated or familiar jesuit is kind of sort of like catholic uh <laughs> university so it was a private university uh it was loyola marymount which is out here in la and uh and f from my experience i mean i it was the absolute perfect place for me because um when you when you have to because uh, when i was applying for colleges i had to consider there were art institutes and there were universities there is a definite difference between an institute and a university. When you have an institute, it is, you are, you know, solely focused on, you know, uh, your particular major and that's it. Like there really aren't any uh, other uh, classes that you have to take. It's more like, uh, so I guess you, what you could say is like, it's not so much like getting the whole university experience of like taking your other classes like uh you know uh, other ge's and stuff like that um and plus a lot of people tend to go to an institute uh for additional classes um to like you know be almost like supplemental to your education 
uh, so it's like, uh, let's say you're taking all these other animation courses or character design courses and art courses, uh, but you wanted to take uh, a more figure drawing or you wanted to take other, you know, special, uh, special classes so you can like further hone your skills. Institutes are excellent for that. But if you wanted something, if you were like me and wanted a full university experience, which meant like you could have your classes, you could have uh, kind of like, a, I guess you could say community involvement and uh, a certain social interaction because there is a vibe to being at a university, which would be, you know, there's the, the whole collegiate setting. So you got, uh, you know, everybody from all different majors there all mixing in with the film majors and the art majors and the <laughs> and communications and history and so you got everybody there right mm-hmm. um on top of that when I was there I was also in a sorority so <laughs> so I was and I, at the time when I did that um I I was one of the very few people that was in animation because I was one of 15 students admitted into the animation uh, into the animation school at, at, or I should say the animation, yeah, animation school at Loyola Marymount, which is a, a, a department in the student, uh, uh, school of film and television there. Um, and so, uh, it was, uh, I'm losing my train of thought here. It's hot. Um, <laughs> uh, but the, uh, but being a part of that university experience was, the exact balance I needed and at the time when I was in a sorority I was one of the very few people that was in animation and in a sorority because there is a lot of community involvement uh like doing service and uh fundraising and all of that good stuff uh for all for good causes um but you had to be very involved in in everything you did plus animation which is a full a full-time thing in itself because <laughs> you're doing uh, short films, you're doing thesis films, you're doing projects that require you to be up all hours of the night sometimes. Uh, so, uh, so, I, but I did find my balance. And what was cool is that once I did that, other people found realized that oh, she did it. She did Greek and animation. Maybe I can do it. And so, actually, other people more other people were also following after me. As I realized, it was kind of cool. Um, uh, I I don't recommend it um, if you cannot handle a crazy workload, but I was able to fare just fine. Uh, but uh, um, but why don't I we backtrack it- a little bit? Why don't you describe because um, like what Greek culture is for people, especially that are non-Americans, and then kind uh, of yeah. So discuss being a like part of a sorority is not like in the movies what everybody seems to depict. Uh, at least for me, my Greek experience was excellent. It was like we were just a bunch of people who liked to hang hang out. We, I mean, there were a bunch of people who loved animation just as much as I did uh, in my sorority. So uh, it's basically a bunch of people that want to get together and and help communities and do philanthropic stuff like uh, fundraising for special organizations. And a, uh, like ours was speech and hearing impaired. So we did a lot of stuff to help people who were... Uh, who needed help with like you know uh, uh, you know uh, hearing aids like uh, being able to fund organizations that were helping those who were hearing impaired um, and so uh, so that was our, our primary focus in each sorority and fraternity has a different philanthropic focus so that was pretty cool um, but yeah to kind of bring it back around to the my major um, what was so excellent about being a part of that school was um, one, you have the community of other people who are there with you who are also 
you know, taking all the classes with you. And you, and those are uh, friendships that you will actually, um, you know, grow and develop and you can actually maintain those friendships after you graduate. Um, and that's what's great because animation isn't a huge industry. I mean, it's like uh, the community in L.A., alone is is very small so you get to know everyone pretty quickly if you or you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody and and it's a very tight-knit so uh so basically everybody gets to know everybody pretty quickly um also uh out of my experience I learned so much about the tools and about networking and all the skills and 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 the materials that I needed to prepare for for when I would go out into the working world, everything was there. And uh, the professors, every one of them, I I genuinely loved every single one of my professors who were all industry professionals or had been retired industry professionals who at least knew, you know, that at the very least they knew, they knew how everything worked in in the uh, in the working world and just knew how animation was. Uh, you know as it continued to change and grow as the industry continued to change and grow that they kept up with it and uh and they knew tons of people who and they would bring in those people who would share their industry experience and their knowledge and their connections with us so i mean it was it was absolutely fantastic i wouldn't have i wouldn't have done anything different looking back on it and having that experience there it's like even just earlier today i was reminiscing on certain parts of like you know just remembering the certain little things I used to do in, in school and go man simpler times <laughs> compared to now <laughs> now we drink those now we drink caffeine and solidation solidation and just like wait for COVID to be over yay <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so out of my experience with going to a university I I f truly believed it was it, it was and still do believe it was absolutely worth every moment that I was there um, especially with making the connections and learning all that you could learn there. I mean, it was all concentrated in one place. Whereas if you uh, try to do it on your own, it may be, it, you, it's possible, but it, it takes a lot more to try and like, you know, network and, and connect. And that's why, that's why I always recommend that people go to conventions because, mm -hmm. I mean, the and KP can even speak for this as well, is that the connections are made at, con at conventions, and you never know. You could be networking with your next business partner, your next uh, creative collaborator. Uh, it's, it's so important to go out there and communicate with other people and get to know them and and before you know, you're, you're exchanging business cards and you're working with them, right? So, um, but yeah, and coming out of that experience and it is important especially in LA that you do have a degree it does give you a certain uh, foot up in in the industry to like mm -hmm. get a job and have that degree because it does show that you're backed up with you know how uh, to work certain programs you know how the processes how pipe uh, production pipelines are because you've gotten all that training and education on that so it's not like it's they can I feel like it's maybe they they there is a certain trust to knowing how things work if you have the degree because they're like, okay, well, then you took this class, this class, and you know how all these work. So that's, and this is just me kind of just, you know, t t talking out of my own experience. So I don't know, it's, it may be different for other people, but in my general experience, that's how it's been. Okay. Well, it's like once, once you get the degree, you have the reputation of the school behind you. 
Yeah, especially that. And um, and that's why I really do try to push for LMU so much because they um, because their animation school is actually absolutely top notch. And and um, and a lot of the professors that I've had there, not only have they been excellent, but they were also alums themselves that uh, where they uh, went out into the industry and then they came back in and were doing uh, and doing teaching as well as maintaining uh, industry jobs. So uh, like Van Partible for one, creator Johnny Bravo, he was one of my professors and his thesis film from LMU Animation was what became Johnny Bravo for Cartoon Network. (laughs) So just saying, it can happen. bragging rights um i'll just i'll just add some points before keely we we passed the mic to keely uh, but some of the things i've learned um from someone who moved to la after i got my degree because that was the only way it could work financially is um i know lauren knows this but like um people that have grown up in la have a certain advantage because um they're already established there they know the industry they know the schools and the biggest thing is they can commute from home. Like, holy crap, that would have been nice. <laughs> so, or other people who, um, a lot of times, um, t- studios hire people that are outside or coming outside the country. So we talked about Canada and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. what studios will do, which is a little scummy, a little red flaggy, is they'll they'll promise someone from Canada a job if they move to L.A. and they can pay them lower than American wage, well, not like lesser for the same job for someone like a senior person in America because that's how economics works. So not like below minimum wage, like hopefully no one's doing anything illegal, but you know, I don't know. And that's usually how, um, you know, a lot of people like our age-ish like um, make it into the industry essentially. So like my, one of my points is like, don't feel bad if you're like not in the industry at a certain point because a lot of times people have advantages that you might not be aware of like cal arts is the number one like school people go to because like everyone lives there like all the like all the like they have tons of like famous alums disney started cal arts you know it's great but it's also super expensive and a lot of times people don't even finish because they get scouted from like studios to go do things and stuff like that so you never know what kind of advantages people will have um, to have access to that kind of stuff. Like, I remember uh, Lauren Faust on Twitter once said that, like, the only reason she could afford CalArts in the first place, and she came from out of state, is because her dad, I think, was a service or a military person, and he died, um, you know, I Mm. think when she was very small or, like, six or seven. And so she got a pension from him from the government, and that's how she could afford to do that. So, you know, Mm. a lot... You know, a lot of times, like, the artsy kids come from families that already are well off. So, you know, don't yeah, and feel on top too of, bad. On top of that, um, when you, there's a, a lot of alumni from CalArts who can also even attest that they said, like, it was more like CalArts came to us mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than mm-hmm. we went to CalArts because it's like CalArts <laughs> is very, 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 very selective. Um, yeah. So, uh, and, and. Yeah, it's it. I think both both Bancroft brothers went to Cal Arts, uh, yes. but they. But I do remember that they. I think it was, what was it? Only like a maybe a year that they were there, and then they got picked up by Disney <laughs> to, yeah. to go work. Mm-hmm. So I mean, but they. That's what happens. Is that it gives for a lot of uh, Cal Arts alums that I've seen. Um, yeah, it didn't take long for the industry for industry for the for different companies to take notice of their work. Um, but they are not the only school where that's possible. I mean, 
if I recall correctly, Jay, uh, Jay Oliva, who is, uh, he was, a, he's a storyboarding professor at LMU, but he's also, uh, he's a director and a storyboard artist and a producer and he's he's i mean he's a he's a he's a big hitter at warner brothers he's worked on a lot of like dc movies and and uh particularly animated ones and uh and he originally if i recall correctly um he didn't originally just get you know just graduate from LMU and then get a job out of the gate he got the job while he was still in school and then he went back and finished or something like that it was like but he got picked up because of his because he got noticed because he I, I think he didn't even really have a professional portfolio per se but he presented his work in like a manila folder at a convention to the right people <laughs> someone somebody a talent scout from warner brothers said hey you could do this why don't you do a test for us and that's what he did as a student while still being a student at the school so just saying it can happen yeah and also I'll, one more thing about the conventions before keely gets i get before keely gets to talk words are hard um <laughs> is that like when COVID is over um, I always complain about it because it's, like, destroyed my life. But hopefully, you know, it'll be over relatively soon. Um, I might get a donation out of it. So we'll hope we'll hope that that happens at least. <laughs> That's all I've been talking about on Twitter. And my parents are like, but it's Sheds. And I'm just like, I don't care. Do you want me to be happy? You know. Um, <laughs> so anyway. Um, oh, oh, I'll just add my friend Lo- Lachlan and I. My friend Lachlan and I were talking about it, who's been on the podcast before. And she's like walking about around Burbank with a Dalmatian is like a power move and I'm just like yes so anyway <laughs> um but as Keely I'm sure all of us can attest to like in, like conventions networking in person is so much so much faster than networking in um via emails or via contacts via contacts because something that I've learned that happens is people just like kind of blow you off during um like doing uh emails and stuff like that and what i've learned is that a lot of times people just don't have the time and they're afraid to be direct and i'm very direct as a person and then i'm like what the hell and they're just like um but but i don't have the time i'm just like you're it's in quarantine you have time don't lie to me but anyway um (laughs) you know by showing up like showing up is what they say is like half the job but showing up and showing them your portfolio and like your 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 like professionally dressed like it 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 propels you in a different field than just you know sending an email and then you can get drinks and then you can get to know them and if they take a personal interest to you like from my understanding like networking is how you break into the industry because you know you yeah. have like everyone's trying to get in like i i haven't been trying since covid because i don't think a lot of people are hiring or hiring in general and then i'm reworking my portfolio but still people want you know that's kind of the the way you kind of get through a door is because everyone is going in, but if you have a connection with someone who's going to take advantage, like not take interest of you versus a stranger that just sent their portfolio, you know, that's kind of how the game works. And it's a little bit manipulative, which I kind of hate, but this is the way it is sometimes. So anyway, um, Keely, your turn, you can talk. So how, what have you learned (laughs) about not doing school and like that kind of vibe? Um, so I'm a little bit of a mix between, um, some schooling and self-taught, largely self-taught throughout my, my whole life. But, um, 
I did spend one year going to Savannah College of Art and Design. Um, and during that year, they give you the foundations. Like, you don't actually get into your major that year. You spend it doing, like, 2D design, 3D design, color theory, all that stuff. Um, and actually, I think... I benefited as an individual just from having that one year of concentrated study for my foundations classes, because that set me up to understand how to pursue it on my own when school fell through for me. Um, school fell through because of finances. So uh, it wasn't that I didn't want to continue or that I dropped out. It was just money. <laughs> yeah. SCAD's uh, very yes. expensive. Like, like art, art school's expensive. Um, Anything that anything that promises you a a degree and it's a private school um, in a, in a specialized art field that is going to be expensive. Um, mm -hmm. Now, what I encourage people to think about, um, well, I guess so. I'll just I'll give a brief summary of what I did after that. Um, so finances fell through. I went ahead and kept pursuing art in community college, um, which there's. I went to a pretty good community college with a good visual arts program, um, but it was a lot different in that, uh, like, again, Lauren, what you were saying about the community feel, it wasn't quite as strong um, because you're not living on a campus. You're not constantly around um, other people and you may not be as organized. Like community college mm -hmm. is very much pick up and go, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, very, uh, piecemeal as far as certain educational degrees go. So it's not like you're in a, a definitive program like you would be at a full scale four-year university. Um, however, what I did find in that was the liberty to pursue things that I was actually interested in art-wise. Mm -hmm. um, so they never, and it, it was much more affordable than if I had tried to be like, well, what if I did black and white photography at SCAD? Like, you know, at SCAD, I would have stayed in the animation track exclusively and I probably wouldn't have taken any other electives, but um, just because your whole curriculum is filled up with it. But at mm -hmm. community college, I was like, oh, well, I can, um, I can explore this. I can explore that. And I took, um, I think I took a graphic design class. I took you know, video game history. I took a bunch of things that I was just interested in that helped bolster my uh, all around knowledge of, of just, I guess everything, but especially art wise. Um, for instance, black and white photography, uh, I learned how to develop my own film, what certain, um, certain things meant as far as like exposure or um, diffusing or, you know, what Photoshop terms actually meant. <laughs> so when I use Photoshop, <laughs> I actually understand it a lot better than um, a lot of some of the tools than if you're just jumping into it without a prior knowledge of that. But, you know, that's kind of just a brief example of how that affected what I do now uh, for art and digital art. But, um, but I think, let's see. So it's harder, a little bit harder to network. Of course, it's a community college. So a lot of people tend to kind of stay in the immediate vicinity. They don't tend to go out and branch out further um, unless they're going to go on to a four-year college. Mm. Um, so sometimes your ability to connect with people that'll get you a wider network isn't possible. Um, 
So, so for all that, um, I, I don't think I would have traded it for anything because I did have good classmates and good teachers. Um, and I did learn a lot, but, um, aside from that, I've been supplementing my own learning with online resources. Um, Mm -hmm. of course everyone knows about YouTube, but as long as you have an internet connection, that whole world is so open to you. And now more than ever, um, there's a lot of pros, industry pros that are starting their own programs. Um, some of them are free. Some of them you have to pay for. Um, but if you're looking for something concentrated in, um, in what you want to do, for instance, animation, Mm -hmm. um, there's things like, well, animation mentor is a little bit more like a structured college program. Um, but then there's something like taught, taught by a pro, which is by the Bancroft brothers. And then, Mm -hmm. um, there's Aaron Blaze's courses, Mm-hmm. Um, which are pretty affordable for what he offers. Um, but it's, it's again, kind of a la carte. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not a program program that you're following. Um, Don Bluth also has his own, um, quote unquote university set up. Um, what else am I forgetting? There's animation mentor. There's, Ooh, there's a lot of stuff. And then it's, as far as drawing goes, um, you have all manner of tutorials available, but then there's uh, artists like Proko who specialize in certain things like anatomy and making it kind of approachable and understandable. Um, and there's web series like, uh, oh, what's, what's that one called? Every, every frame of painting. Yeah. Um, they don't do new episodes anymore, but they have such a backlog of like awesome material that even just watching that could really bolster, like round out your understanding when you're watching something or when you're observing a piece of art, whether it's animation or just still visual art Mm -hmm. uh, or movies, you can really get a cool, like 15 minute (laughs) rundown of how to dissect what you're looking at. Um, so it does take a lot more effort to a degree. Skillshare has some, uh, Oh yeah. Skillshare and and classes available as well. Yes. Yes. It does. Uh, I think that just depends on who is available. Mm -hmm. Um, who, who is offering those classes. Oh, there's also schoolism by Bobby Chu. Mm. Yeah. That Um, was the one I was like, I feel like we're forgetting one, but I'm not. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's a big one. Um, so, so there's different avenues you can take as someone who, maybe can't go to school or um, maybe you've already got a life set up and you can't just drop everything and go to school. So you just have to kind of take it as it comes. Um, It does take a lot more effort though. uh, A lot more motivation. Um, And that is the hardest thing about it. I think Um, now just going back real quick to my one year at, at school. Um, I, I always want to start off my conversation when people ask me, like, should I, should I go to art school? I'm like, that's ultimately up to you and mm. your personal financial situation. Um, because taking loans out for everything is a super bad idea. Um, <laughs> and like avoid it if you can, um, at least try to supplement with grants and, uh, mm-hmm. scholarships and everything as much as you can to try and 
make that cost go down for you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, start start with community college to get your basics out of the way, and then and then mm-hmm. go to your art school. Um, things like that, I'll always suggest. Um, but the big thing is, what I've learned is that going to an Ivy League art school um, does not guarantee you a job. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> um, you have to still work for it. So you can't just do the bare minimum at art school and you can come out of it being like, well, I went here and I have a degree from here. Therefore, I should get a job. That's just not how it works. Um, You still if you do go to art school, you want to make sure you take advantage of every single thing they offer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Networking wise, class wise, extracurricular, you know, um, especially things that that you're interested in. Um, that can help you develop your skills further. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, SCAD had some um, classes being taught by guest professors who would come in just for a quarter. They would come in for a few months, teach their class, and then go. Um, but they were industry veterans and um, people who really knew their stuff and were there just to help teach this one thing, and then they were gone. Um, so not being afraid to be challenged in an art school setting because you will be challenged. Um, a lot of times when you start in an art school, you'll find out you were a big fish in a small pond back home. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always going to be someone better than you. Yeah. And so it can seem very discouraging when you start, but you're like, you know what? You just, you just have to work. You got to put in that blood, sweat and tears. Um, and I know that's what a lot of people don't really want to hear. They kind of just want a, a a solution just like oh if i go here everything will be fine like <laughs> if that's all i have to do is just make it in the door no no it doesn't quite work like that <laughs> yeah no it's it's so it's like no matter what everything everything that's worthwhile and and lasts you a long time is going to take effort nothing comes immediately and especially like yeah for so many people i i especially remember having talked to um to alumni before uh that where it took them a long time to get a job in the industry but especially because uh, sometimes it was like when they came out of it it was like you know the job market wasn't doing too well like i knew some uh, there's that whole can of beans yeah. yeah so it was like so i mean like when there's a recession or anything like that and they yeah. couldn't get one uh but they it didn't let them discourage them like it didn't stop mm-hmm. them in their tracks they just kept working hard and they kept trying to hone their skills they took that time and they utilized it well and and yeah. and over time they they did get they did get their breaks in the industry um mm. so yeah that and that is another important thing do not i repeat do not put that pressure on yourself to be like okay well so and so is you know 20 and they're working in the industry do not compare yourself to other people because yeah, that's, that's, something that's or, a I mental th- death trap. <laughs> yeah. And, and, tr- and you best believe it's something. I mean, I battle it too. It's just like mm-hmm. uh, to see other people doing that, to make those comparisons, it's not healthy. And I, mean, I know it's a very easy pitfall to, to drop yeah. into and get stuck in, but you just can't do that because everybody is going to, they move at their own pace and they, mm-hmm. they come into their own, uh, you know, as as time goes on, it's like that everybody has their break at some point, it, it, yeah. big or small. It's just going to mm-hmm. happen. But you have to. But no matter what, 
as long as you are working hard and putting in that effort and you're enjoying what you do yeah um i mean i not all of it's going to be fun but if you can still find (laughs) (laughs) if you can still find that little bit of joy knowing you're doing something that you in the end that you do love it then you know it's all worth it because Mm -hmm. again it's like again it is like like working out if you want the results you have to work for it so yes. it's and and you best believe that it, it, whether in, in you're in a university or whether you're taking classes on your own or whether you're learning from even online tutorials, the work pays off. If you put in yes. that effort, it's always going to pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just just as a small addendum to that, like, that's why I say if, if you want to go to art school, there's a lot of benefits to it for all the reasons mm-hmm. that Lauren mentioned earlier. Absolutely. Um, the community and the connections and um, but you just make sure that you keep yourself laser focused on taking advantage of everything while you're there. Like get your money's worth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so because if you have that opportunity, you don't want to let that go to waste. Um. If for whatever reason you can't go or, uh, or your life has to take a different path for a while, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and even now, like even online schooling is getting better, uh, for some of these big colleges and, um, you know, and just for self-learning in general, there's so many books you can get by industry pros. Um, and, Again, even just go try and make an effort like to go to a convention and try to talk mm-hmm. to some of your favorite artists, show them a portfolio, get some feedback. Like you don't have to wait for an art career fair or something like that necessarily. You can just be like, put your best foot forward and, um, you know, like learn the sand, do the work, <laughs> do <Yeah>. the work. <laughs> don't be afraid to talk to people. It's like, yes. you know, if you're, nothing's going to change unless you do something to take that initiative. And mm-hmm. people will like that, that you take that initiative because it shows you're like, okay, you're a go-getter. You want, you want this. You're not, yeah. you're not waiting for it to happen. You're going to go make it happen. And, and again, yeah, like going to a convention, like you realize it doesn't, yeah, like you, to your point, it doesn't have to be like a job fair or anything. You realize how many people have gotten jobs going to Brony conventions. You realize how many people have become <laughs> IDW artists and, and, and worked on in Dark Horse comics and all that stuff. I mean, you realize how many people have actually gotten jobs because they were in a fandom, in a, in a fandom based convention like it's like it can mm-hmm. happen and so uh, but and so like no matter what convention you go to come prepared have some business cards have a portfolio if you want to bring a physical portfolio or if you have it saved to a tablet let's say sometimes you may have it on a tablet or on a website that you could just pull up make sure wi-fi is available uh, yeah <laughs> definitely get to get that conven- convention hall wi-fi uh <laughs> um yeah, just like make sure you know your resources and utilize them well and come prepared in all various forms uh, in the event something of something happening. So it's because you never know. Mm, and do not be afraid of constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. Like some sometimes they will, uh, if you ask for a critique, um, people will be honest with you. And, and because that's that's how we grow as artists and they may tell you something that you think you were doing right all along. Mm-hmm. And I have seen it where um, people get defensive 
about their work and like, oh, well, I just I was going for this or I, I meant to do that. It's like, you know what? If you ask for critique from someone, just it's OK to just listen. Mm-hmm. And if that wasn't the heart behind your work, fine. But if there is something technical that you need to look at that they're bringing up, don't be afraid to look at that in your own art. And, you know, just don't be offended, you know, and that's not personal. Um, but if you ask for a critique, be able to take it as mm-hmm. well. Um, so yeah, that, that's on the convention. Like if you're going to approach an artist at a convention, uh, a good rule of thumb. Yeah. And, and constructive criticism versus that sucks. Yeah. It just, like, right. Yeah. You know, no, you... There is a difference, a huge difference. <laughs> one's not even criticism really. It's just being an insult. Uh, yeah. But, no, but... if someone's going to be degrading like that and that's, that's not criticism, that's just a jerk (laughs) yeah so yeah with but yeah with the constructive criticism definitely always take note of what somebody says look at the specifics of what they say and um and that's when you can try and pinpoint because again if you're having somebody else look at your stuff versus your own eyes then yeah you're getting a fresh set of eyes looking at your stuff or a fresh set of ears listening to your story seeing what works and what doesn't so Mm. um so if, after you've been staring at something for so long, you kind of think, oh, well, this works, right? But then you, but yeah, it, again, it's like criticism is so, well, I should say criticism slash critique, proper criticism is like, that is so important to yeah. take heed because it's, um, because yeah, it's, it's meant to help you. That's what it is. It's, it's not meant to hurt you. It's meant to help you become better and to help you refine your work and just don't be afraid of it. I know, I know we're all creatives here and we're we're not we're not the biggest fans of critique but we know that it's there to help us so don't be afraid (laughs) that was that was a big thing i took away from art school by the way was how to critique something constructively um Mm -hmm. i had some really great professors who were very good at it and um so again like if if you're gonna go whether to a convention setting school setting um always just be ready to absorb and learn and grow so Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's a good takeaway um i'm trying to think if there's anything else to add um hmm. yeah i guess i guess to round it out you know it just it's all dependent on like what you want to get out of oh i remember what i was going to talk about um i was going to say like you know take advantage of like online collaborative projects so like not necessarily Mm -hmm. like all our team and team kp and all that stuff but Mm. you know like you know by putting yourself in those situations you have something for your resume and you can meet people and you can get critique on a more regular basis than just putting stuff on deviantart and just hoping something or someone comes by there's tons of like you know fandom thingies these days like back in my day but like with covid and everything um trying to like having people find ways to be creative like with maps and like all sorts of different things so like Mm -hmm. don't don't see it especially if they're non-profit don't see it as like oh you know they're taking advantage of me it's like well you know it depends it also depends what you get out of it too you know like Mm -hmm. go in with with, like expectations of how you want to improve and then communicate those and you know just be you know how do you want to grow do you want to grow like when you're as you're getting out of your style you know as long as your boundaries are set and you're as long as you're being healthy with your time then i totally recommend those and 
a lot of them is just on a case-by-case basis but like that's an example of someone who might not be in art school might not have might not have the resources but they're trying to do something anyway and they're trying to be creative in a community anyway and putting themselves Mm -hmm. in those opportunities so yeah yeah um I don't know. I think I think we're good. Um, yeah. Any 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 closing points you guys want to make? Or or Keely, where can people follow you online? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, mainly um, I update more on Instagram. So my tag there is Keylime Key or Keylime Creations, and then uh, I do stream at least once a week on Twitch as well. So if you want to watch me do any art. Uh, sometimes it's digital, sometimes it's traditional, sometimes even occasionally animation. Um, very rarely, but I'm trying to get more into it. Uh, <laughs> that is Keylime Keely on Twitch. And yeah, I do have a Facebook page and a Twitter as well. Um, but Instagram and, and Twitch are really my biggest places right now. So yeah, I remember when I showed Lauren your art, and I'm like, Keely's good, and she's like, oh my god, Keely's so good. So, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Real talk, that is my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. No, that, that means a lot, because uh, as we've been talking about on this podcast, it it's a journey, and it's not always easy, mm-hmm. um, especially coming from a self, more of a self-taught perspective. Um, it takes a lot of motivation and a lot of uh yeah just oh i don't feel like doing this today but i'm gonna <laughs> like, <laughs> so <laughs> and yeah that's a lot of what you know the big one of the biggest advantages of school is like you know if you're someone like me who won't do anything unless like you have an, a gun to your head like having school kind of provides that structure and you have deadlines and you have people mm-hmm. counting on you and then you know it kind of forces you into that corner versus just like oh, i'll do it tomorrow i'll do it the next day it's fine so Mm -hmm. um you know Mm -hmm. i think same thing with like the the team internet um projects is like you can't just blow it off because you have people waiting to receive uh your work you know so you Mm -hmm. have you have a a big internet mom that will come and slap you with the ruler or whatever (laughs) so don't make me give you a timeout don't don't make me sit you in the bad corner um (laughs) yeah so um I'll just give the the closing things. So if you're new to the podcast, I doubt this is your new your first episode, but welcome to the podcast. Um, <laughs> you know, subscribe to the main channel as I tell people. Um, you know, we did like I think I mentioned this last week, but we did a big Shira video, and then no one cared, and then I got sad. But not like no one, but like anyway. So go watch that stuff. Um, we have a lo-fi loopy thingy, the Bob, that you can bookmark and listen to in the background. And, and that does um, have animation in it too for people who like to watch animated stuffs. And yeah, so uh, like I did, there's like so the lo-fi loop has like um, I guess you could say like uh, it has a uh, little animated KP doodling, and she's got little thought bubbles going on of what she's thinking about while she's uh, while she's drawing. And I did work on one of those little animations. It's a uh, she does have a Lion King thought bubble at one point, and I did animate the Simba <laughs> in that, and that 
was like I, I've never animated Simba before in my life before this but I was so happy with how it turned out <laughs> yeah like, I was just like I usually like I said before I usually don't assign Lauren to teamwork um but I'm like hey so we're doing all these movies that we that I like and you like Simba do you want the Simba and she's like yes I want Simba so you know. <laughs> like he was he was a he was a figurative and literal beast but I'm so happy with how he turned out like it's that's it's the it's the end product that was the payoff and I was so happy with it I didn't even have to yell at her to be on model or anything. She just did it. So, <laughs> good job. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so, yeah, I bookmark it, and sometimes I watch it. Like, I put on my, my TV downstairs because I'm like, well, at least I'm watching it. So, you know. Um, <laughs> and then we'll probably have live streams um, upcoming soon. So, keep an eye out for those. Um, follow us on all the social medias. They're all below in the, in the thingy, so Twitter and stuff. Uh, yeah, and then we upload every Wednesday usually unless something bad happens. So, But if you're new anyway, then there's tons of backlog. Where this is episode 28, so yeah, you're good. You're good. It's, it's fine. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so thanks again, Keely, for joining us. And, yeah, thank um, you. Well, I hope thanks this for having dis- me. Yeah, I hope this discussion helped you learn about what to do art-wise. And then um, last thing is if you don't know how to do things art-wise, then there's an Art for Beginners episode that we have. And we'll probably do a, a more in-depth frame-by-frame episode too in the future. So if you need to know yeah. what that is, then we got you, fam. So thanks and for hope- coming. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it eased some people's minds listening to us and thinking, dreading, if especially if there's anybody that's like currently in high school and they're thinking about if they have to go to an art school or or if they feel like a school if uh, art school's the right for them right for them or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But hopefully uh, it's put your mind at ease a little bit to think, hey, you have your options so you can do whatever you choose to do. So there in there's a will and a way for it all. So uh yeah. 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 A lot more options now than there used to be. So don't feel sad that you're not in California like I did for right. like the majority <laughs> of my life. Okay, we'll see you guys next time. See you later. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to Animation Communication on YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. We are really hoping this show makes a difference in how people view animation and media as well as giving and providing advice for people all over the world who like or want to join the animation or media industry. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe and rate those five stars, as well as tell your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our main YouTube channel, I Love Kim Possible A Lot, and turn those notifications on. My name is Scribbler, and you have been listening to Animation Communication.